0: Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. After two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more worthy goal. A major part of this new approach is talking openly about what my grief is like, instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a couple of posts that went together last spring called Pro Grievers. There was a part one and a part two, and I'm going to put them both into this podcast. So um, completely up to you if you get, you know, halfway through and you want to take a break and check the rest out later, this particular podcast will be a little bit longer than usual. So again, this is dated back uh, from 2021. Uh, I guess it would be in the spring (laughs) because it's about getting vaccinated. So Um, here we go. Recently, I got my first two COVID vaccines. I was there early and had the first appointment of the day, 9 a.m. I was soon distantly joined by a gentleman with the second appointment, 9.15 a.m. We were both masked and stood several feet apart as we noticed each other and assessed our numbers in the lineup. This exercise felt familiar and similar to that of flying the airline, that corrals us into waves of boarding groups. I'm A35, what's your number? (laughs) In both scenarios, we're trying to find out our proper place and confirm that we're appropriately in our assigned and designated physical locations and in compliance. When my eyes met with this gentleman, there was something very familiar about him. We were in my home county, and the likelihood that we may know each other was high, especially if he happened to work in an industry that intersected with mine. The face coverings made it a little hard to recognize his face, but as instantly as I felt a subtle connection, I said without hesitation, You look very familiar. Any chance you're a lawyer? No, he replied, and then briefly chuckled, and added, But I'm spending a lot of time with lawyers lately. I responded, oh, well, what type of work do you do, if you don't mind me asking? He identified his profession and then shared, both of my parents died last year, and I'm sort of going through their legal and financial affairs. That's a lot, I responded. Without missing a beat, this gentleman quickly deflected my support of his loss, like a boomerang right back to me. They had great full lives, he said, plenty of kids and all that good stuff. Although his mask covered most of it, I could see him offering a smile as if to say, All good here. Don't feel badly for me. As I sat and waited for my name to be called, I thought to myself, Now there is a pro griever. Before diving into what drew me to assign this possibly unfamiliar title of pro griever to a stranger, after just two minutes of interacting, Let's break down what I mean by this term. Pro refers to professional, defined by Wikipedia as a member of a profession or any person who earns their living from a specified professional activity. The term also describes the standards of education and training that prepare members of the profession with the particular knowledge and skills necessary to perform their specific role within that profession. That's a really long definition of pro. But the underlined bolded text intentionally highlights the portion of the definition that fits the pro portion of pro griever. I'll read that part again. Pro describes the standards of education and training that prepare members of the profession, in our case, if we're pro grievers, the grieving profession, um, with the particular knowledge and skills necessary to perform our specific roles within that profession. So griever, by definition, refers to Well, let's also look at that Wikipedia definition. Oops, shockingly, there is not one. In contrast to so many definitions for which there are pages of descriptions and synonyms, the wiki term for griever simply states mourner. The fact that we can't even locate an encompassing definition speaks volumes about our overall comfort level with grieving and or lack of discussing it. So if we follow that wiki definition, a mourner is someone who is attending a funeral or who is otherwise recognized as in a period of grief and mourning, prescribed either by religious law or by popular custom. Note that, by definition, the term implies a time limit, quote unquote, period of grief, and recognizes the impacts of religion and popular custom. Try processing this title, pro given the context and the definitions that were just shared. And in the next part of this podcast, I will connect to a topic that I experienced in 1997 to hopefully illustrate my own personal definition of this unsought, permanent combination of words, which only those of us who belong to the club we never wanted to join can relate to. It's the title of pro-griever. And I need to go back to 1997 because this is the first time that I remember kind of thinking about this concept of being a pro-griever and what that meant. So going back, it was spring in 1997, and I was to attend a wedding shower of my colleague in my home state of New York. Alexis, our daughter, who was about 10 months old at the time, was sick. She hadn't been able to stay out of Children's Hospital for more than a day or two without having to return. Her longest admission at Children's National Medical Center was nine continuous weeks. Disappointed, but not confused about where I was most needed, I contacted the wedding shower hostess in New York. She was a close friend of my colleague, and I didn't want to let anyone, let anyone down, least of all, Alexis. So I dialed her up and said, I'm sorry, but my daughter is sick and I'm not able to make the trip to New York for the wedding shower. The fact that I felt the need to apologize is another chat altogether. But my declaration at this juncture was accepted by the shower hostess. She let me know that it was disappointing, but wished me well and we ended the call. Fast forward to December of 1997. Alexis's dad and I, along with one of her former home care nurses who had become a friend, went to the home of my former colleagues for a holiday party. It was their first party as now a married couple and one of the first social outings we ventured out on since Alexis had died in September. In a group of people I was introduced to the woman who'd hosted that wedding shower back in the early spring. When she heard my name, she said, Oh, it's great to put a face with the name. Is your daughter feeling better? Time stopped for me for a few seconds. I remember noticing the four tier dessert tray on the table, white linen tablecloths and the display of different kinds of shaped and decorated tiny cookies. I wanted to be in that dessert tray and not have to respond. So I paused and finally said, thanks for asking. No, Alexis died in September. Silence. Shock. Within a second or two, I added, it's okay. There's nothing to say here. We're okay. And therein lies the pro-griever in me the same one that recognized the skilled training in the gentleman at my COVID shop. The common trait in both scenarios is that when we go pro as grievers, it means we have so much practice and experience on how to handle a situation in which others feel badly that we lost someone that we quickly move from self-preservation to letting that person off the hook and saying, we're okay. The research on the time it takes one to go pro in any skill ranges from the requirement of 10,000 to 20,000 hours of practice. This is how one becomes an expert. If and when you find yourself applying pressure to an emotional wound, you might have just opened for another person by sharing your truth. Before you try to stop your own hemorrhaging, that's a sure sign that you're a pro griever. In the case of the holiday party, I maintained my poker face, got a drink, instant anesthesia by the way, and at the first opportunity of a perception that the folks who'd been present for the opening of that deep cut had moved on. I sequestered to the bathroom until I could catch my breath and stop the tears. I wish peace with a capital P to my fellow pro-grievers, including the gentleman who lost both of his parents last year. It's not a bad strategy to have canned answers for these situations. Having a ready response to put others at ease is a skill and a gift And it can also quickly de-escalate what can become a social disaster. But, this is a big but, we should also have compassion for ourselves. This too is an important aspect of going pro. If you're grieving or any of this resonates with your own experience, try mustering up the courage to let your experience stand before rushing to soothe a stranger's comfort level by declaring all is okay. Because chances are good, it's not. And as pro-grievers, we also need to hone the skill of telling the whole truth. Here's my story, and yes, it is so hard. So thanks for listening to this kind of combined uh, double post about being a pro-griever. Um it's so interesting to me that so much time could pass between this memory that I have while Alexis was still living and connecting it to just recently when I was getting the vaccine uh, for COVID. So what I'm trying to describe here is is an experience where when you state your truth, my daughter died, no, she's not feeling better. Um, And then you immediately jump to um, but it's okay we're okay there's you know there's nothing to say or as the gentleman in the covid uh, vaccine line said um you know no don't feel bad for us you know it's just make that quick trip to you know soothe the other person rather than yourself and i do think that there's merit in um as i said having canned answers for two reasons one it protects you because you don't have to go deep to kind of shut the person up or you know, reroute the conversation. And second, having that canned answer ready um, also does for the person that's asking the question. it gives them that quick information um, that they might have just been making small talk and there they've tiptoed into your grief storm. Um, it kind of lets them off the hook quickly and you don't have to, as I said, go too deep to come up with the answer. So you're not like reliving whatever your loss is in that moment, hopefully. So if you put some thought in advance to what that might look like, um, then you can just, you know, pull it out at will and protect yourself and, um, keep the other person kind of routing into something else to talk about hopefully. So yeah, that's pro grief folks. Um, and I know that I'm well qualified with 10 to 20,000 hours of practice plus. And, um, If that's the case for you, I do wish you peace with a capital P and hope that listening to this extended podcast today is a small reminder that you're grieving um, with the best of them and that it's not something we're trying to get over. It's something we're learning to live with. So until next time, stay present, stay grateful, and stay healing. And as always, thanks for listening.